we as menstruators are cyclical. So we have a 28 to 35 day cycle. So we run on a longer clock and we have big fluctuations through this. So we're different all the time and it can be a superpower when we're taught about it and really being able to be like, you know, I'm really productive and good at planning when I'm menstruating and I'm really creative in my follicular phase and I can really kill a sales call in my ovulatory phase and I'm going to get all my tasks done in my luteal phase and I'm not going to book meetings at this time. So I think that if you have the power to shift your schedule that way, it actually really compensates for that, um, you know, oh, you're more emotional around your period. But when you're actually living in sync with your cycle, which can be hard in this world, it really does shift actually. You know, my period starts in three days and I feel great. And it's because I'm able to shift my cycle. Menstruation and periods. They are a normal part of life. Actually, let me start that over. Life would not exist without menstrual cycles. So why is there so much stigma around the topic? This week, we welcome Kate Morton from Funkit Wellness to talk about menstruation. And throughout our conversation, there were several eye-opening paradigm shift moments that came from talking about periods and women's menstrual health in a safe space. Many women are continuing to learn about their health many, many years after they have had their first period, but also conversations around work, business, productivity, living one's best life, and even removing the negative effects of patriarchal systems are all connected to having thoughtful and open communication about periods. Kate is a registered dietitian and the founder of Funkit Wellness, and she has a master's degree in human clinical nutrition that focuses on women's health and fertility. Funkit is a menstrual health company that makes natural products to empower and support the entire cycle. They offer inclusive education and products that are both empowering and delicious. Welcome, Kate, to the third place. We welcome you to explore the third place with us. It is an invitation to the gray space, a space where deeper connections are fostered through challenging, empowering, and engaging dialogue. You will walk away with a deeper understanding of self, equipped to engage with others in life's complex conversations. Thank you for listening. We invite you in to the third place. Kate Morton, I have really been looking forward to talking with you. Welcome to the third place. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So as the founder of Funkit Wellness, women's health, including topics like menstruation and otherwise are something that you don't shy away from at all. Um, you probably seek them out, right? And <laughs> I'd love to know what drew you to this work to begin with? Yeah, so it's really interesting. It all came from a personal need. So I was living in New Zealand, which I know we bonded over, and I had gotten off birth control, and I thought I was going to get off birth control, and I was going to have this like holistic goddess experience, be so in tune with my body and just rocking it, and it was so the opposite. I got like adult acne, the worst cramps I'd ever had in my life. Um, I was having to miss work, and it was something I actually – like I'm really loud and vocal, and I've never shied away from an awkward conversation conversation, but it's one I found in myself not wanting to talk about or share. And so 
it really drove me to want to find a solution. One, create products. I'm a dietitian and food is what I do. So create products to help people feel better, but we wanted to create a safe space where people really could have these conversations and learn without feeling judged or embarrassed or even silly because I remember being like, how am I a 25 year old? You know, I've been menstruating for 10 years or longer, 12 years, and I don't know this about my own body. So I think there's this level of not feeling in touch that kind of makes us shy away from having the conversation. And that's something that really drove me to want to talk about it and start Funk It. Did you like, did you grow up in a family too, where you had uh, conversations about your menstruation and your women's health in your family? Yeah. Like the crazy thing was my mom was so open. So my mom had a baby when she was 17. And so she was so open with us about sex education and periods. And it was something inside of myself that I didn't want to share, which like I overshare everything. I'm so notorious for oversharing, <laughs> but this was the thing I just didn't want to talk about. And I was really embarrassed about. I was the first one of my friends to start my period, which created a whole other level of shame. I felt like something was wrong with me. And yeah, so it's crazy. I grew up in a house where it would have been totally acceptable to talk about it. I just found in myself that I didn't want to or I couldn't. So that makes me think that, you know, something that we want to talk about is clearly there's a bit of a, I don't know if it's a stigma or like this hush-hush mentality about women's health in general. Like what what do you know about the current view in our society on women's health as a whole? Like if there's any stats or specifics that you found over time, I'd be curious what the themes are. Yeah. So something that's crazy is there is a study that shows 90% of menstruators experience PMS. So they're experiencing at least one symptom that negatively alters their life. And so you think about that, that's 26% of the global population is experiencing symptoms for one to two weeks, maybe more out of the month that's altering their lives. It's a lot. And the crazy thing about that is most people report not feeling comfortable to talk about it at work, not feeling like they could take time off, and feeling like they're a burden for sharing. So there is a huge stigma around women's health and specifically menstrual health, the fact that it's related to blood. We've been told that it's gross or dirty when it's actually just a normal part of life. And if we would just educate on it more effectively, it's something that I think the conversation may completely change around. I live in a little bit of a bubble. So I talk about periods all day long. Our team talks about periods and our team was having a conversation the other day. And I was like, what do your friends think about what you do? Um, and they were like, they had no idea. They can't believe that we talk about periods all day and that we know all this education. And our newest employee who got here two months ago was like, I've learned so much in two months. I don't even know how I didn't know this before. So yeah, all that to say, there's a huge stigma around it and a general, like this isn't table talk was something I got told early in my career was this isn't business talk. This isn't table talk. This isn't a conversation people will be interested in. And I'm happy to report a year later, people are very interested in it. (laughs) (laughs) For me, that is one of the, the things like this isn't table talk because why? Um, periods are such a normal part of life. It's a necessity for life to even exist. So, you know, why is it so hard to talk about plainly and openly? But if there's a stigma amongst women to talk about it, like, I'm going to be honest with you, it's how, this is the first time I'm ever talking about periods except uh, from my wife, right? So how do men come to the table 
to honestly have these conversations too. Like, especially as we are having conversations more around gender gap. And if PMS is something that causes an, a major alteration, uh, on a regular basis for women, I think that that has to be part of this conversation as well. And for me as a, a leader of, uh, of my organization, how am I asking better questions so that we can get to better solutions so we can keep working on closing that gap amongst men and women? Yeah, that is such a great question. And I'm so honored to be having this conversation with you and getting to talk about <laughs> it. That's amazing. Um, thank you for being so open. So I always go back to my personal experience. And I think that in order to create a safe space, especially if you're a leader of an organization, it's just normalizing it, um, making people feel comfortable. I don't think you necessarily have to like, you know, ask like, are you on your period or do you feel sick? Like that's probably a no go, but just creating that safe space that's like, you know, like I want you guys to know that in our policy that if you need to work from home one day because of your menstrual cycle or anything related to your health, that's totally acceptable and we have a policy for that. Um, if you're in an office, having period supplies readily available, um, there's actually a tax in a lot of states on period supplies. It's a, between like 8 and 10% additional on top of normal sales tax. So around a 20% tax. And so it can be really expensive for people who are menstruating. And I read a crazy stat on LinkedIn that was like, I think it's like one in three people have been caught at work without their proper supplies because they didn't know their period was coming. And their whole day, they were paranoid. They didn't Um, want to get out of their chair. They, you know, it was just all these things. So I think creating a safe space, allowing people to have flexible schedules um, and know that you support them. And then also from there, having those period supplies in your office. Yeah, I love that suggestion and that you said that out loud. Coffee is a pretty male-dominated industry, and that's that's the world that I live in. And the first uh, full-time woman that we had, that, that was a change that she requested. And it was like, oh, of course. Why? Like, of course we would do that. Um, and it was something very small. And even as we've added additional female employees, it it's a it's a very subtle way to say we're for you. You know, we, we're we here with this. And, and I really just love that suggestion. I love that you guys do that. And I think that that's something that when I go into a space and I see that, it's instantly knowing it's a safe space. And I think we're so conditioned to feel defensive or ashamed of our periods that when we walk into a new workspace and we're like, oh, wow, it's mostly guys in this office. But look, they actually have these supplies for us. You feel included. You feel like you have a seat at the table. Yeah, it just also makes me think that um, part of the reason probably why there's shame for girls in talking about it, women and girls, is because it hasn't been welcome in the male perspective as much. And and I, I mean, Absolutely. this might bring in patriarchy or something, but I, I just am feeling like that it's about how we're constantly reflecting in relationship with opposite sex too. And so maybe some of that subconsciously or societally comes from the fact that we're trying to like, I think that I always want to like protect someone else. So then I can take on shame that's actually not mine because I'm trying to protect the other party from what may be uh, uncomfortable, right? Which is funny because we're talking about like having uncomfortable conversations. But I do notice that especially in when it comes to this conversation, like I had shifted in my younger years from that sort of this protection mentality to I'm very vocal about it for sure. And, and now that I have a son and he's only four, he's young. I'm curious too about 
how that's going to morph and how I'm going to have those conversations, even, um, you know, not having a daughter, but still having a son and being able to make it an open and honest thing and, and make that a normal thing too for him. I think you have such an amazing opportunity there, you know, like you have this opportunity to shape the next generation. And it's so amazing that we're having these conversations now. I mean, my partner and I, when we first moved in together, you know, he has like, I think 15 boy cousins, brothers, we grew up in the South, like he had no idea like what periods were. And now here we are running a menstrual health company. And, you know, I made him get on YouTube and learn. I was like, if you want to be a part of this and you want to be a good partner, you've got to understand me. And I don't quite have the time right now to educate you, but here's like 15 YouTube videos on how you can learn. And I think it has made him a better partner and been better for our relationship just because now he's empowered and I'm empowered around it. Right. And I love that, again, just bringing men into the conversation for, uh, uh, well, my opinion is um, that we need to destroy these systems of patriarchy. And by the way, it's better for men when we do that too. So, you know, don't worry about that part. But if we are really going to tackle those systems, I think that men, the way that we need to step up to the table is to be proactive, uh, to, you know, to truly be thinking ahead with and maybe being asking the questions like, how can I support? How can we have these conversations? Um, around periods and all of it. So again, like even creating that safe space. I, I know for me, like one thing that I've seen shift and, and maybe it's partially the world that I'm living in and maybe it's partially the times and a combination of, of both, but I'm, I'm feeling there's a shift. Like when I grew up, it was like a joke among adult men that if a woman was overly emotional, the assumption just was, well, she's on her period, you know, and now Again, maybe my world has shifted enough too. I'm hearing that less often, but I re- my question to you is like, how do guys do this better? Because that joke is clearly inappropriate. You you hinted at that a moment ago. Yeah, so that's such a good question, and I I do feel like it's shifting, but I also feel like I'm caught up in my own little bubble. Right, I know, I can't tell. I don't feel like I, it's shifted that much, to be honest. Oh, uh, that's to discouraging. Be, well, <laughs> not saying that I'm around it a lot, but I think that that's a hopeful thing. I just think that maybe you're not even hearing it, so maybe the right. niceties. But I feel like behind closed doors, there's still yeah, this... I'm not in many locker rooms anymore. Yeah, yeah, but so we talked about the physical symptoms of the period, right, and how. Having, making sure you have some sort of, you know, tampons or pads. But then there's also what you can't see, which is the emotional side, those symptoms of PMS that you were talking about. And I feel like that there's also truth to the fact that our emotions and hormones change, right? So, yeah, so I feel like there's some truth to it, but it's also not that we're blaming it on that and that more there's acceptance. I'd love to hear what you have to say, Kate. I think there is truth around it, but I also think it's the world we're living in. And when we go back to this idea of the patriarchy, like we as menstruators are cyclical. So we have a 28 to 35 day cycle. So we run on a longer clock and we have big fluctuations through this. So we're different all the time. And it can be a superpower when we're taught about it, when we're taught how to use our menstrual cycle as a superpower. But our world and our work world, nine to five, all these ideas of, you know, Monday through Friday, they're linear. And so the male cycle is 24 hours. And a lot of these productivity um, measures are based off that 24-hour cycle, the nine to five cycle. And so it's really hard to try to fit 
a longer cycle um, into this world. And so I think one of the biggest ways we can change it is recognizing that we are different <clears throat> and really being able to be like, you know, I'm really productive and good at planning when I'm menstruating. And I'm really creative in my follicular phase. And I can really kill a sales call in my ovulatory phase. And I'm going to get all my tasks done in my luteal phase. And I'm not going to book meetings at this time. So I think that if you have the power to shift your schedule that way, it actually really compensates for that, um, you know, oh, you're more emotional around your period. But when you're actually living in sync with your cycle, which can be hard in this world, it really does shift actually, you know, my period starts in three days and I feel great. And it's because I'm able to shift my cycle. Um, our whole team is synced up. And so we added extra breaks in this week and made sure we had, we could go, if we were hungry, get snacks. And like, it sounds like silly little things, but changing these little things actually changes the narrative and changes how you feel. David, had you ever heard of any of those phases? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, I love I lo this. But I love this. Like, <laughs> I just love. I love it too. I even again learned, and I've been. I'm kind of obsessed with learning about hormones in general, and so I love that both him and I are absorbing so much already. Yeah, and but I, I think that that's a perfect and practical example of shifting away from a patriarchy system, like a 24 hour nine to five work system is part of the patriarchy. Right. So here's a practical way. And, and Kate, the way that you just presented it to me and what I was kind of sitting in was it's not that it's a it's a shift away from this nine to five. It's more that this cycle is a gift to me. Like I heard that, you know, I'm really great at this at this time. I'm really great at this at this time. And so, you know, again, I just go back to periods are a part of human existence. And so when we look at it, not from this negative, but from this gift perspective, I think that that's really powerful and it helps me have hope for a balance system that's neither patriarchy or whatever the, a female version of it, but it is truly like this cohesive human system that we're working towards. Yeah. And you know, it's really interesting. This is just my two cents on it, but I, you know what I really think is going to make the difference in making periods more socially acceptable. And it might be a strange answer. I think they need to be in pop culture. They need to be in movies. They need to be portrayed positively on TV shows, in movies, in books. Like it's interesting. So much of what we learn about this world is before we ever actually participate in it as an adult. So we learn about it through TV and books and media. And I think that if we can actually portray some of these things, you know, on podcasts like this or in a movie or, you know, all these things, it could actually really empower people and they could learn it early when they're not even realizing they're learning it. Yeah, I feel like all the things that you witness in, in movies, or at least that I witnessed, was always like this freak out where it stains the white pants and they have to go um, to the bathroom and then they have to go home sick or hide with their friends, whatever. But it, it, even that was a subtle like, oh, this is, um, no one can know about it. I don't know what to do with it. And I'm ill-equipped for it, right? So it's all of this where it sort of came out of nowhere and wasn't even anticipated in any way, which, mind you, having your first period, no matter what, is going to be <laughs> like a holy shit moment because you're like, even if you have talked about it, I mean, I had, I have two older sisters and a mom. We were very, very open about it. Um, even 
talking about it does not prepare you. So like what you're saying, if you can be prepared for more uh, places than one, you know, in the pop media and at home and in schools, um, that would be rad. Like what, what sort of education is out there right now in schools that you know about? How is it addressed? And is it sorely lacking? There's only like, I think, don't quote me on this. I will check it for the show notes. I think there's only 15 states, one five, that require medically accurate sex education, including menstrual education. What? (laughs) (laughs) 15. That require medically accurate menstrual education. Yes, we're going to have to double check this, but I read this. Yeah. Um, the fact that there's such a thing as a, a threshold of, of it being required to be medically accurate is a, is a, a shock moment for me. Mm-hmm. It is. And it's so crazy. Like so much of what we're doing, like we actually just did a whole module for teens, which I'm definitely going to share with you guys. Um, it's crazy. Teenage periods actually are more painful. Yeah. They are statistically proven to be more painful, more intense, heavier bleeding. Um, and so when people are first starting their periods, one, it's traumatic, especially if you had no idea it was coming. Um, mine started really early. I would think I was in like fifth grade. And so I remember I was on the playground and I was like, Oh no, I think I just peed my pants. What is going on? And then like we did this on our team. We all talked about when we started our first periods, every single one of us, even if we were told about it, we still, assumed it was something else that like we had done wrong or when it started, which is kind of another crazy like shame thing. Yeah. Yeah. That it was something um, that it wasn't happening, you know, for us, but that we had some role in it that was negative. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I don't know if I can think back to that feeling. All I remember is the shock of it. Well, and when I'm hearing, like, I'm curious, kind of a follow-up question, what do you dream of sex ed looking like in a healthy way? And and to me, part of the shame conversation is, again, to bring young boys into the conversation, too, and not that this is this thing to be shamed over, but it is truly the gift. Like, to me, it's could we change the narrative of junior high and middle school boys to, to not make that joke that I was referring to earlier. Cause if they're going to be more painful at that earlier stages, which that's new information for me, then we need to squash that joke at that age for the boys too. Yeah. So to me, I think it should, and you know, everyone has different opinions. I think it would be really great if the education was done together so that everybody yeah. was on the same page. So, you know, like, so Everyone knows what's going on with everyone because there's a lot of changes going on. So one, I wish it was done together. Two, I think it needs to be like more like broken out versus like here's one day you have and we spend one hour on it and then we never talk about it again. Um, I also think cyclical living needs to be taught because it's not just a period. There's other things going on. So your period is actually when your hormones are the lowest. Your follicular phase, you've got follicle-stimulating hormone rising, estrogen rising. When you ovulate, you have luteinizing hormone and the egg's physically released. When the egg is released, it forms something called a corpus luteum, which produces progesterone. Progesterone moves you into your luteal phase. And then from there, if the egg's not fertilized, you move back into your period. So I think that even just starting there and telling people what they might experience at each phase – 
it would help people plan and note and know what's going on. So I think teaching that whole cycle is really important. And like you said, putting a positive spin on it. Here's some really cool things about your body and your cycle. Here's actually how you should fuel your body for your cycle because fueling your body is so important. With diet culture, that's a whole other thing that's going on and causing hormone imbalances and all of these different aspects. I just am so in love with the cyclical um, perspective and that only in my experience did I get really curious about my own hormone health. I was 30. So I know that you, you know, you talk about things that you wish you knew before you were 27. I'm like, man, it took me having a kid and having postpartum depression and feeling a lot of symptoms that I still, you know, am working with, including extreme insomnia to find out, oh, I have what's considered toxic levels of estrogen, right? And so I love that we're having this conversation now and that we're talking about cyclical so that we can really start to be um, attuned in a preventative way earlier on, not that it takes four years of insomnia or having a child or um, feeling like what you did when you got off birth control, which is definitely, it's always a rebalancing though too, right? So um, things change and there's so many different inputs, but I just absolutely love that we're talking about this now and that I feel like I was early talking about it at 30, um, especially in talking to my mom. So so seeing you um, doing this work at your age and the work that you're doing with teens too, I think is phenomenal. Thank you. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like when I hear the stat of 15 out of 50 states are have this minimum threshold, that part of the conversation makes me feel like, oh, just so discouraged that we have such a long way to go. But um, I, I also feel very encouraged right now just because you are putting attention to this and, and you're investing in, in Mary's work with Element and these junior high um young women and even and young boys too i think that that it sounds like that's part of um your awareness at least where can people find more about your work and how can we get plugged in yeah so we have a couple of different ways you can connect with us so funkyatwellness.com is where we actually sell our products so while we do education and raise awareness something else that we do is we have a really amazing natural Um, food-based products that you can purchase for PMS support, libido support. And we also just launched a perimenopause product. So jumping all the way to the other end of the spectrum, raising awareness about um, perimenopause and menopause. Our Instagram account is funk.it.wellness. That is where you're going to find a wealth of knowledge. You can DM us. We usually get back to you in 24 hours. Um, no questions, TMI. Please slide in our DMs with all your TMI questions. And if we can't help you, we'll find someone who can help you. Um, we've got a TikTok, which is new. So we would love anyone to go follow our TikTok and follow along. It's Funk It Wellness. Um, and my personal Instagram handle is Carbs and Kate. Thanks, Kate. One of my biggest takeaways, I think, is just really including everyone in the conversation and that when we lead organizations, making sure that we can really show up in that way in a physical way by just simply having things available for that and that that's a way of showing the acceptance and support for cyclical living. Yeah, I think that that is the goal. So we're getting closer. Getting closer. David's like, I need to go to the store to grab some stuff for the warehouse. No, no we already have it. We're already good. We're good. Yay! 
A plus. That makes me so happy. I remember I posted on LinkedIn about um, menstrual leave and I didn't get any comments on it, but I had like 15 DMs about like people debating me in my DMs and I'm like, oh, you don't want to debate it publicly just like in the DMs? You know, just even highlighting that moment again, one of the positives that I'm walking away from with COVID is, is we now live in Zoom world. We, it's, it's completely acceptable. So I think that that's another very quick and easy shift that most businesses can make is by offering X amount of days per week or, or month that are remote available. And, and the world showed us that we can still work on, on our computers. And I think that's a very great and easy solution. And again, all of these micro steps all eventually add up to uh, better versions of humanity. So, well, thank you guys so much for having these conversations and, you know, being open and raising awareness. It's, it's really amazing to, you know, I've never actually been on a podcast where we had like a guy on the podcast. So it's really cool to see the other perspective and kind of be able to bring more people into the conversation. And I really appreciate both of y'all's openness and the work that you're doing. Um, Yeah. And I just, I foresee probably we need to bring you back to do different, uh, you know, outside of menstruation with women's health. I'd love to do that. So planting the seed now, you guys hear it now. Um, Kate will probably be coming back. I can talk about this all day long. (laughs) All right. Be well. Third place podcast is produced by podcast publishing house. If you like what you're hearing follow us and subscribe at all of your favorite platforms apple spotify also check out the episodes on our website thirdplacepodcast.com for additional resources and transcriptions of our episodes the third place is all about continuing the conversation so make sure you follow us on instagram and facebook at third place podcast there you can check out our weekly co-host happy hours on igtv And if you like what you're hearing and want to continue to support our work, you can check out our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash third place podcast.